Hey, this is Andy Cohn, publisher of The Fader, and you're listening to Full Service Radio. I'm uh, Andy Cohn. I'm the president and publisher of The Fader. The Fader started out as a music magazine uh, in its origin in, back in 99 uh, to really cover the best in kind of emerging music, putting artists on a kind of big platform way earlier than they would with traditional music magazines at the time, and then launch the website and do tons of events and really built Fader into a holistic brand, discovering artists ahead of the curve. And I think that mission has been intact since we started and we really never like wavered from that. And that's like one of the things I think we're all most proud of. I was like the kid who wanted to be like the almost famous kid in college and travel around with like rock bands and rappers and just, you know, write cool stories for like Rolling Stone. And then that dream quickly, uh, dissolved but i did go to school for journalism in indiana so i i specialized in magazines at the time which is funny now to say i met rob stone and john cohen who were the founders of the fader and they started fader as a side project and it started getting a lot of love and and traction and i think what happened was is it came out at a really good time napster and digital music was being made much more available to everyone so it wasn't as segmented. I'm older, so growing up, you were either into hip-hop or rock or punk, and the internet made that music so much more accessible to everybody that you could hear about dancehall from a friend and then go listen to dancehall in five minutes. So Fader came out at a time where music discovery was really going to be much more democratic and globalized. So the focus of emerging artists and all genres was a really good thing in in 1999 when fader started so they brought me over to kind of put some structure into place and and having magazine experience and then uh yeah i've been there for 16 years when you find something on your own and it's not fed to you through at the time you know terrestrial radio or mtv there's a much more uh, feeling of ownership and like culture that surrounds that and i think that's what we were able to capture my first love was classic rock i mean i i as a little kid had a camp counselor that used to play uh like led zeppelin all the time and pink floyd so i think that was like the first music that i really like dove into but then In 1986, like 87, right around when I was in middle school was when uh, Aerosmith and Run DMC did the Walk This Way collaboration and video. And that just kind of like really, I would say, honestly changed my whole life. And I think nostalgia is great, but like only to a certain extent. And I think we also as like the people that run the magazine have to understand that what we knew and thought and loved is very different. You know, I, I look at my own kids the artists that they react to. And, you know, I don't think we're supposed to get it. The approach that we've taken with Fader is that if someone ages out of our kind of demographic, it's okay. You know, because we don't want to grow old with our audience. You know, we want to stay focused on that discovery, emerging level. The beauty of over the past five or six years is that as Fader as a brand got to like a kind of maturation point, you really look back at the history of Fader and almost 
we look like a mainstream music magazine because of all of these covers. You're knowing who they are now, but at the time you didn't know who they were. You know, so I think that's like the magic, you know, in, in what we do. And there's no real science to it. It's just based on passion. This is my 23rd year in a row coming to Austin for uh, South by Southwest. It'll also be the 23rd in a row birthday that I celebrate in Austin, Texas. It's been a really fun thing in my personal life and professional life. I love it here so much. I look forward to this week all year, even though leading up to it is pretty much torture, but it's worth the pain and suffering. I've just been a big fan of what South by does, and I've been a big believer in South by as much more of a discovery experience versus, you know, the years where they had Lady Gaga and like a bunch of really big artists come. I didn't feel like that was in the spirit of what South By had always been about. People saying like, you know, that South By is over is like a thing every year that people talk about. And it's just not true. You know, I think if anything, South By is back to what it was supposed to be. New artists getting a shot on a bigger stage in front of people that they probably wouldn't have performed for. And you know, winning people over. And like, to me, that's like South by at its spirit and at its core, people don't realize the importance of touring and playing live shows. Artists think we're in a society or a culture now where they can just post, you know, some MP3s and get instant famous overnight. And I think those are short-term things. I think the thing about live and, and touring is that that's what builds your fan base. And that's the, to me, the ultimate experience in music seeing you know bands play live whether it's for 50 people or 50,000 you know is just uh, such an incredible experience and i think artists that are just starting out like they need to work hard the fader fort started uh, very humbly in a hotel room 17 years ago at South by Southwest, where we were doing some work with Levi's at the time, and they wanted to have a suite where they can bring artists through, mostly like, you know, emerging type bands that weren't really famous or anything like that and didn't have a lot of money. So they wanted to outfit them with jeans and they put these laundry machines in and let them do like their wash because a lot of these artists came down in like vans, you know. And then some of the artists just started performing in the suite and it just became this like natural thing where they were like in a relaxed environment and then the next year we went to like a little bit of a bigger space and kind of formalized that a little bit more and then over the years now like it's 17 years later it's kind of been an incredible journey and uh seeing what has gone down there over the years like the moments and, and having usher collaborate with the afghan wigs and having puffy and odd future on stage together and bon Iver, um Future and Kendrick Lamar, um, Nas and Damian Marley. There, there's just been, Lou, I mean, Lou Reed performed at the Fort. So uh, Amy Winehouse in 2006. The, the amount of big names that have come through that stage is really mind-blowing when you look back at it. We actually created a book last year to kind of memorialize like the first 15-plus years of the Fort. 
and it's incredible to look back through all the photography and the moments that have happened there over the years. But I think what Fort really is in its purest form is Fader expressed in real life. You know, it's taking all these artists that we're writing about year round and the ones that, you know, we feel are most relevant and putting them on the Fort stage. I love the fabric of the city. I mean, just there's places like a Medici coffee shop, you know, where I've gotten to know the staff over the years. And I definitely have a bunch of, of spots like Styles Switch is a barbecue spot that's actually about 10 minute drive north. I love Catherine and Shane. They have one of the best barbecue places in this whole area that people don't really talk about or know about. I love Curra's over there for like some good Mexican. Bird's Barbershop, you know, I'll go in there, get a haircut. Just a lot of really nice interactions here like that locally. It's pretty amazing, actually. (laughs) 